My name is Joel Renner, and I want to ask you to please subscribe, like, and comment on this video as you watch it so more people can see this teaching. Welcome to Home Group. My name is Rick Renner, and tonight we are here with you and Paul and Paulina and Denise. Welcome, dear friends. Thank you, Rick, and welcome, Home Group. We're excited to be with you. And Paul, we're glad you and Paulina are both here tonight. We're excited to be here. Thank you for having us. Paulina, how do you feel? It's been your first week on Home Group. It's a great topic that we're talking about. I'm learning a lot, actually. Are you? <laughs> yes. Paul, how do you feel having your wife here with you? <laughs> I'm glad she's here, and I enjoy being on Home Group. It's always very helpful for me, because when... I'm here on the home group now. Of course, we're here in the studio. You're at home. This is for us, our home group. We actually enjoy these conversations. We don't just do it for your benefit. We do it for our own benefit. We have fun doing it. Actually, we've been doing this ever since you were a little boy. Our family gathering around talking about the Bible. Yes. It's what, it's what we've always done. And we're so glad now we get to do it with you. And Jesus said, where two or three of you are gathered together, he's in the midst. He never said we had to be in the same room. Isn't that amazing? Mm -hmm. So by internet, we're all together. He's here. He's there. And Lord, we thank you yeah. for your presence, which is with us tonight. Thank you for transforming us by the word of God. Amen. Amen. You know, I, my regular TV program, I end every program by saying what? Where the word of a king is, there's power. Ecclesiastes 8.4. We really believe the word of God has power. Amen. And if you let the word work in you, it will transform you and it will change you. I'm teaching a brand new series. It's 10 parts called The Works of the Flesh versus The Fruit of the Spirit. You choose. You choose death-permeated works or supernatural life-giving fruit. And I want to say thank you for all your comments. I've been reading all your comments on social media, on YouTube. It means so much to me. Thank you for letting me know how this series has been ministering to you. Yesterday was really an amazing program and home group. But anyway, order this by going online to renner.org or give us a call. And remember that the study guide is free. It's for you and it is free. Take everything free in life. We put a lot of work into this for you. It's not for me. I already know all this. It's for you. And we want you to have it. All you have to do is pull your chair up to the table, pick up your spiritual fork and knife and dive in because it's all there like a banquet. Please go to renner.org to get yours. And remember that if you need prayer, we want to pray for you. We believe in prayer. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 33, 3, call unto me. First thing it says is, I'll answer you. Secondly, I'll show you great and mighty things. And if you let us know how to pray, he will answer. He will show great and mighty results to our prayers of faith. Amen. But let us know how to pray for you. But Denise, tell us one more time about that book. Oh, of course. This is unlikely. This is our autobiography. Rick wrote it. It says, Our Faith-Filled Journey to the Ends of the Earth. And we want you to get your copy. It's in the office now. We want to send it to you. This is not only a story, but it has a lot of teaching a lot of, uh, I would say, um, vulnerability of our own lives and how that God can use somebody like us. Very unlikely God can use you too. 
And you know what? We wanted to really be truthful in what we told. So we interviewed more than 50 people, 1,500 pages of transcripts from interviews. And the reason I chose to write it now is because some of the people we wanted to interview were getting older and were going to heaven. For example, my mother. Mm. We interviewed my mother. And right after that, my mother went to heaven. I wanted to capture my mother's interview, her stories, her memories. And so we really did a lot of work on this book. And really, it's not just a story. It's really filled with teaching about how to take a word from the Lord and make it become a reality. And we tell about things we did right. We share about things we did wrong. We talk about sabotage. We talk about victory. It's all in there. Why? Because sometimes it seems so unlikely that you can do something. But if you feel that way, well, just say, here I am, Lord, because you're the one he's looking for. Amen. But hey, we're going to return tonight to Galatians 5. Are you ready? Let's go there. Denise, are you ready? Okay. Galatians chapter 5. Let's begin again in verse 16 because it's our anchor verse. And Paul says, This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. He says, oh, Rick, you've covered this for four nights. Well, I'm going to cover it again because it's really important. It is so important that Paul begins this verse in Greek by saying, Lego day. That is really important. Lego means I say, day is an exclamation marker. It describes something categorical or emphatic. It's like he lifts his voice and says, hey, 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 you don't have to bite and devour each other and be ugly. Here's what I'm telling you. Listen to me. I'm telling you categorically and emphatically. If you choose to walk in the spirit, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And the word walk is the word peripateo. The word peri describes something that encircles you or surrounds you particular area. The word pateo means to habitually walk on one path all the time and never veer from it. When you put the two words together, peripateo, it's one who habitually walks in one specific area. In fact, you walk in that area so much that you live there. And that's why it can be translated, live in the Spirit. And I just love that. Denise, we can live in the Spirit, and that should be our aspiration. Well, the Holy Spirit lives inside of us and he can enable us as we listen to him and turn to him. He will lead us to walking in the spirit instead of walking in the flesh. And we can literally live in that realm. You know, when we were growing up, I just thought it was, you know, maybe hit and miss, maybe once in a while, maybe five minutes a week or maybe a church. You know, it's easy to walk in the spirit when you're at church. I thought maybe when we're at church, we can walk in the spirit. But nobody even told me what it meant to walk in the Spirit. I never had a clue what that meant. I remember one year at church camp, the theme was walk in the Spirit. And they kept saying it and saying it, walk in the Spirit, walk in the Spirit. You need to walk in the Spirit. And I remember thinking, would somebody please tell me what that means? I don't know what it means to walk in the Spirit. And nobody ever told me. It means we can live in the Spirit. And here in this verse, Paul's comparing the Spirit versus the flesh. Well, we are spirits. That's who we are. If we stopped living right now, we would keep living because the real us is spirit. But we live in a body. And between the body and the flesh and the spirit, there's the soul, that's the mind, which makes the decision about which part of us is going to rule us. And Paul says we can make a choice. Not to be dominated and squashed by the flesh, but we can make a choice to live in the spirit realm 
And he says, if you live in the spirit, you shall not. The Greek says, you will not know, you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So if you're tired of the flesh dominating you and bringing all of its destruction into your life, just switch over into the other realm because it pulls the cord on the flesh. Amen. Amen. All right, well, let's pick up. Go to Galatians 5, 19 and 21. Now the works of the flesh. And we've seen that the word works is the Greek word erga. It describes labor or hard work. That's what flesh produces. It's ugly. It's messy. It's mean. It's hard. It's laborious. And he calls it the works of the flesh, the Greek word sarkos. It describes the instincts of the flesh or your carnal nature. And then he goes on to say, Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Now this is not all of them, but this is an example. He says adultery and fornication. We've seen that in Greek, that's one word, the word porneia. It describes all sex outside the context of marriage. Uncleanness. It really refers to unclean or lewd thoughts that eventually produces lewd thoughts or actions. Then lasciviousness, the Greek word aselgeia. This word is so convicting to me. It describes unbridled, perverted sex and and the excessive consumption of food. Now, Denise, that is just convicting to me. Just convicting. Because my temptation is to eat what I don't need to eat and to eat too much. It's it's amazing. The flesh doesn't say, how how can I be disciplined? It says, how much can I have? Mm -hmm. How much can I have? It's the excessive consumption of food, and it leads to really bad things. It leads to health issues, mobility issues, The flesh will just, it's hard, it's laborious, it's terrible what it produces. Then idolatry, and we saw that idolatry is really obsession. Being so obsessed with something that you end up serving it. It began as your hobby, it ends up as your Lord. Mm -hmm. It started as your house that you lived in, now it is your master. You're just obsessed by it. Maybe it's a talent, maybe it's a hobby, maybe it's a TV program. You build your whole life around that TV program. You're just obsessed. It's anything that obsesses you Mm -hmm. and demands your service. Then it mentions witchcraft. We saw the word witchcraft, the Greek word pharmakeia. And we told you it's where you get the word for pharmacy or pharmaceutical products. And this word witchcraft, pharmakeia, was used in the first century when Paul was writing this to describe people who were really having a rough life. So they would go to the pagan temple and the pagan priests would give them a cup of wine to drink that they laced with drugs. And when they drank the drugs, they would feel better. Well, they were just doped up. They would go home feeling really, really better. And then when the drugs would begin to wear off, what would they do? They'd run back to the temple to get another fix. Mm. And really, it's, it's not a statement about drugs, but I do want to encourage you, don't just throw drugs at everything. Don't do that. Sometimes you need to go to the root and deal with the real issue. But see, the, the, the flesh says just dope it up, just numb yourself so you won't think about it. That's, that's not going to bring a permanent solution. In that case, you just have to keep doping yourself up again and again and again. And sometimes drugs really are necessary. Amen. If you need to take medicine, take your medicine. But if you're taking medicine to avoid something, well, that's what the flesh does. 
So you'll just keep taking it and taking it. This leads to addictions. It's amazing. Today, for example, in the United States, drug addiction and drug rehabilitation centers is a major industry because the flesh just keeps running to cover up, to cover up, to cover up. And again, sometimes people really need medication, but you need to ask yourself, am I just avoiding? This is really about avoidance. Or do I, am I really taking this medication because I need it? That's the word pharmakeia. Then it goes on and it says hatred. The word ekthros, it's an ugly word. It describes hostile enemies, the inability to get along with others. Flesh ugh, always creates bad relationships. The word variance, the Greek word ares, political parties, or people who are so determined that their way is going to win, that they're willing to divide with others. Well, there are some really important issues that are, willing, are important to divide over, but that's not most issues. Some people just have variants. They're always picking sides. Paul and I are part of a group here in Moscow, and there's one guy, it doesn't matter what we're talking about, everybody can be in agreement, but this one guy is always going to be in disagreement because he thinks somebody needs to be the devil's advocate. Well, you know what? We already have the devil. <laughs> we don't need a devil's advocate. Get into agreement. But it's a manifestation of the flesh. I'm just going to be obstinate and opposed. Oh, we, we have two. We do. We have two of them. We have two. We have one guy yeah. that <laughs> always votes against. If there's just, an issue, if there's a, if there's just an to issue. vote against again, and, and that's his idea of fairness. Someone had to say, "I do not agree," even if he agrees with the issue. He'll see even say it. I agree with you, but I'm going to vote no, just because someone should vote no. And then there's another guy that is against everything, regardless of what it is. He just finds something to pick at. That's the work of the flesh. You know, God's plan is for us to rejoice when we can be in agreement. <laughs> but the flesh stops that. But wait, then it goes on, and next it mentions emulations with the word zealous. It's where you get the word for zeal, mm -hmm. or to be zealous. And this describes somebody so committed to their own agenda that they're willing to sell you. They'll sell you out to promote their own view. But tonight we're going to move on to see wrath, strife, seditions, and heresies. Let's look at the word wrath. Okay, are you ready, guys? It's the word thumos. The word thumos is used throughout the New Testament to picture one who's boiling over with anger about something. And even though he tries to restrain it by shoving it down deeper and deeper and deeper, it flares up. And when it does, that individual, unfortunately, becomes like a volcano that spews lava and melts everybody nearby, scorching everything within reach as a load of deadly molten lava is hurled onto the landscape and everybody around. And it is so inappropriate. I don't know if you guys have ever seen anybody act like this, but it's so childish. And usually the people who do it say, well, that's the way that we talked in our family. That is not an excuse. That's not an excuse. If anybody talked to you like that, you would not tolerate it. You would say, don't talk to me. Don't you act like that with me. Then why do you think you have that right to act that way with others? It's not acceptable with anybody. Adults that are indwelt by the Spirit of God, even if you disagree or you don't like what's going on, 
you can dis- you can discuss it civilly. You don't have to explode and just melt everybody around you, which really is an issue of control. That's the way of just dominating and controlling everybody. And it's inappropriate. I won't play that game. I just won't play it. I'll just excuse myself and I'll be out of there. It's not right. It's a work of the flesh and it's extremely destructive. And when Thumas, wrath takes place, it is so destructive, it takes people a while to recover. Mm-hmm. I mean, pe- people have to recover from it because it's just so wrathful. It's a work of the flesh. Then the next it mentions strife. And guess what? The word strife is very similar to the word variance. The word variance is the word eris. The word strife is the word aratheia. And the word aratheia is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, where the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, there are contentions among you. And then he said what the contentions were. Now, every one of you saith, I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Peter, I'm of Christ. There were divisions in the church. That's the word aratheia, which is the Greek word for a political party. It's a party spirit. It is a self-seeking ambition more concerned about itself and the fulfillment of its own wants and pleasures than in meeting the needs of others. And when this strife, erethe, is working in a person's life, it means taking care of himself and getting what he wants is his principal concern. He's so bent on getting what he wants that he's willing to stoop to any measure, to do anything, say anything, sacrifice any standard rule or relationship to achieve his goals, just to make his point. It is a selfish, self-focused attitude, so engrossed with itself, so self-consumed, that it's even blinded to what others feel or what others think. Just self-obsessed and determined, I'm going to get what I say and what I want. Aratheia. It seems like so many of these works of the flesh are selfish. Self-consumed. They, it's just it's what I want. It's what I want now, and it's not considerate of other people. And of course, God is love. He's considerate of other people, and the fruit of the spirit are things that have to do with taking care of other people and noticing other people, and just not just other people, noticing God. Denise. Well, uh, there's a, I mean, there's a, the total opposite. I think of the fruits of the spirit. Uh, because peace and gentleness, self-control, self-control, trying to be for the other person what they need you to be, that is totally against the flesh. And that's what we're going to cover next week is the fruit of the Spirit. It's going to be so wonderful. But let's go on, because next it mentions seditions. What in the world does seditions mean? Well, it's a Greek word, diastasia, and here's what it means. It's two words, the word from the word dika, which means apart, and the word stasia, which means to stand, it means to stand apart or to be aloof. To stand apart or to be aloof, it can depict one who rebels and steps away from someone to whom he should have been loyal. Thus, it gives the impression of disloyalty. That is so flesh. When you sh- a moment you could be dis- you could be loyal, but rather than stand by somebody, you follow the crowd and you become aloof. You just kind of I don't know them, I-, I I don't even know them. That is such a work of the flesh. And Paul, you're right. It's totally selfishness. It's thinking about its own self-preservation 
rather than being faithful to somebody else. Flesh is unfaithful. That's really what it's talking about. And then next it mentions heresies. What in the world does heresies mean? Well, when we think about a heretic or heresies, we always think about false doctrine. But it is the Greek word hierasis. And listen to this. I think you guys are going to learn something tonight. The word hierasis really describes someone who is sectarian, sectarian, someone who does not feel like he wants to be a part of everybody else. He stands in a separate group and claims that his group is exclusive and special. Or, Denise, when we were growing up, we would have called this a clique. Mm. This is when people have cliques. And they're so exclusive, they won't let anybody else in their group. And they treat everybody else like they're lower than them. And, of course, when you and I were growing up, we felt like we were excluded from groups. There was a group that had, was called the Hate Denise Club. It was like a little clique. I remember there were cliques that I felt like I could never get into, and I always felt like I'm so much less than them. And that's kind of the purpose of a clique. We're better than anybody else. It's a feeling of superiority. Again, it's a self-focusedness. We're not thinking about others. We're just thinking about us. Hmm. It's really arrogance. Any comment? Well, it's, it's, it's definitely not love. It's definitely not thinking of others. I mean, the, the Spirit is inclusive. The Holy Spirit's reaching out to include people, not to exclude people. I mean, think about Jesus' ministry. He was including the lowest of the low, bringing them into his circles. That's the work of the Spirit, not to just say, I'm better than you. But the word heresies really means that the, fruit, the work of the the flesh is clickish. It's clickish. And I just want to say to you, friend, that you need to look at your relationships. And if you have any relationships that are so exclusive that you won't let anybody be a part of it, maybe you need to look at it. It might kind of be out of balance. It might be out of balance. Because that's not the way the Spirit of God works. I know that there are some friends that are special. That's okay. You should enjoy your time with them but you shouldn't turn it into some kind of an exclusive cliquish thing that nobody can even penetrate. It's not right. It's the work of the flesh. Paul? I'm glad we're talking about this because it puts things into perspective. And of course, we're leading into the fruit of the Spirit. Yes. But it's interesting how Paul contrasts the, puts the two in contrast. Because when you see the two in contrast, then you begin to see where are you? Where am I or where do, where do my actions fit into this equation? And when you look at it like that, it's a little bit easier to say that could change or I need to change in this or that area. Not so long ago, someone came up to me in church and said, how do I deal with temptations? And I had a, a flashback. So many times mom would refer to uh, Galatians and say that you can't walk in the spirit and the flesh at the same time. So speak in tongues. And if you just speak in tongues, then you'll obviously be walking in the spirit and you won't be able to sin. And I just had this <laughs> quick flashback. And this person said, how do you deal with temptation? I said, I just said, speak in tongues. Do everything you can possibly do to walk in the spirit and put yourself away from those, put, a, put some distance in between you and that temptation. <laughs> So I want to say, 
Thank you for that. Very practical advice. <laughs> and if you're filled with the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues, speak in tongues. Because if you are speaking in the tongues, in tongues, then the Spirit will lead you and He'll give you the wisdom and the guidance that you need to stay away from these things. Well, it's really hard to speak in tongues and sin at the same time. I mean, you got to really be determined. <laughs> but I want to read the RIV one more time of Galatians 5.16. Make the path of the Spirit the place where you habitually live and walk, Become so comfortable on this spiritual path that you learn to leisurely and peacefully stroll along in that realm. Living your life in this spirit realm is the best way to guarantee that you will not allow the yearnings of your flesh to creep out and fulfill themselves. But hey, we've been talking about the works of the flesh, but when we come back on Monday, guys, we're going to talk about the fruit of the spirit. Of the spirit. Everybody loves fruit. You put a big bowl of fruit on the table, everybody sits around and begins to eat the fruit. That's what happens when you produce fruit. You'll have more friends than you can count. They'll all join in the table around you because you'll be so luscious and enjoyable. They'll want to partake of you. It's better than the fruit of the Spirit, which will the work of the flesh, which will make people want to run from you. If you want to attract people, produce fruit. But we're out of time. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you on Monday. Bye-bye. Wow, wasn't that a great teaching? My friends, I want to ask you to please like, subscribe, and comment on that video you just watched so more people can see it. <laughs>